When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. And now... Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chair. Domination by the Chicago Blackhawks. They beat the Oilers 6-4. Okay, we have Oscar Clefbaum and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Live here. post-game reaction, Clefbaum and, and Nuge. Uh, we're starting <clears throat> from the press box here at Rogers Place with Jim Matheson, Edmonton Journal. Uh, this is for uh, both players, actually. The order scored early on a power play, as they often do. So what happened after that? It almost looked like, okay, we got the game going here. We did what we normally do, score on a power play. Then what happened to turn the turn the thing, game around? Well, I think they uh, um, obviously got, they got their second on the power play, but they kind of got momentum going with... With some uh, with some shifts in uh, in our zone, and uh, they put a lot of pucks on that. And um, I mean, yeah, after after we score one, especially on the power play, we should uh, be coming right back at them five on five next shift, and uh, they kind of turn it around right then. Our next question comes from Rob Tischkowski, Edmonton Sun. Hi, uh, either one of you. Chicago seemed to have a lot of jump uh, in that game. Uh, were you guys? Did it take you a little while to adjust to the time and space to play off hockey, or were they just a little quicker out of the gate? Well, maybe, but that shouldn't be an uh, excuse for, for, for our part. Uh, we should be ready, and today we, we just got up worked. It's easy as that. Um, we showed some urgency, obviously, in, the, in our power play, and then we got rewarded, but five on five, we got to play better and obviously be, be, be ready when the puck drops today to help with momentum swings good or bad was was that a factor at all could you have played off that yeah i mean we talked about it before the series uh they're an opportunistic team and they have a lot of skill they'll make you pay with little mistakes and um we know the ice isn't uh i mean it's not 100 percent great out there so we we wanted to simplify things early and uh maybe we got away from that a little bit but they definitely capitalized um um, they had a lot of high high quality scoring chances, and uh, and they have the skill to be able to score on those. Our next question comes from Jason Greger, TSN twelve sixty. Oscar, you mentioned you know five on five, you got outworked. You guys did get up one nothing, and then you know an unlucky break really uh, for Mike Smith on the first one. Some people are saying they thought maybe that goal was deflating it all. Um, did you see any difference in your team's play before? You know, when you were leading one nothing to being when it was one one, or was this just a, a full team effort where you guys weren't ready? I mean, it's tough for, for me to sit here and, and have the answer or why we're not ready. Um, if you if you look at a team like Chicago, they they have obviously have a lot of experience in the playoffs and, and they play the right way. Uh, we just got to do the same and, and simplify things, like Ryan said. Um, if we're going to be a consistent team, we, we got to start with the small things and, and do the, the small little things right in our zone to start. And our next question comes from Daniel Nugent Bowman, The Athletic. Uh, you guys obviously both are, are fixtures on the penalty kill. And Chicago went 0 for 8 against you guys during the regular season. Tonight they scored three goals, a big part of the game for them. What changed, do you, do you think? What was the difference for, for you guys and how they approached it? <clears throat> Well, I mean, uh, we know that they have a good power play. They have a lot of skill. Um, we know they can capitalize five on five, but obviously that's going to um, go into their five on four play. So we had a good PK all year. I know we can get back to it. Um, I mean, obviously we got to sharpen up a little bit, um, better clears maybe, but uh, overall, I mean, we just got to get the job done. We know what uh, we're capable of on the PK. So i uh, got to get back to that. 
We will now take questions Guys, from what you- All right, that's Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Oscar Clefbaum clearly disappointed as the Oilers are thumped in the opening game of this series 6-4. I mean, it was 6-2 for uh, more than the last period of the game. The Oilers got a couple of late ones to make it somewhat interesting, but the Blackhawks full marks for this victory. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It's overtime open line courtesy of Century Casino. Rob, we often talk about how teams start games, and even though Edmonton got an early goal, oddly enough, you and I texted each other about 50 seconds into the game about how the Oilers looked in their opening couple of shifts. Yeah, we just talked about it with Bob. The the fact that the Oilers had a one nothing lead wasn't indicative of how the game started for the Oilers. Uh, they were loose. Uh, they they missed men. They missed assignments. Uh, they pinched at the wrong points. They turned the puck over, and that was all in the first minute of play. I mean, this is a playoff game in a short playoff series where the games are just a little bit more important. And in the first minute, you give up two two-on-ones. You can't come out and play that way and find success. Now, I know that they got a lucky break with the too many men on the ice penalty, but the Oilers in the first five minutes weren't playing the way they needed to play. And eventually the Chicago Blackhawks made them pay. I know there's been a lot of discussion about the Oilers' five-on-five play. We get that. They, they did do some tinkering throughout the regular season to try to improve that. I would argue, Rob, and I, and I want to get your opinion on this too, I, d- I don't think this was just a 5-on-5 five five loss for the Oilers. Fair enough. Uh, they were outscored 5-on-5, five five, didn't actually score a 5-on-5 five five goal because they pulled their goaltender for their fo- fourth goal. But, uh, I mean, Chicago's power play uh, was 3-for-6 was tonight. Edmonton's was 3-for-4. So, <laughs> you know, you're not winning the special teams. Bet, and you're taking six penalties. You can't take that many penalties in a game. No, the Oilers were not the desperate team in this game. The Blackhawks were. Um, They won every aspect of the game other than the Oilers' power play, which everyone knew that the Oilers were going to score in the power play, but the the Blackhawks were able to counter that by putting the puck in on their power play. It, It just... I've watched a couple games. I watched the Calgary, obviously the Calgary other game the other night. There seemed to be more intensity in that game. There was more intensity. I watched a little bit of the Florida Islander game today. There seemed to be a little more intensity in that game. Uh, The Blackhawks really don't want an intense type of game. They're not the bigger team. The the Oilers are the bigger team. The Oilers could be the more physical team. If this is a, a... game that is played as on a perimeter where, where they're just going to go by skill you know yeah the others have the top two players but you know the blackhawks might be able to throw at a couple other lines that can score goals five on five so the others have to come much more intense much more desperate uh much more physical in, in the game on monday or they're going to find themselves in the same boat they were tonight 6-4 Chicago wins. We will have head coach Dave Tippett live here as soon as he takes to the podium at Rogers Place. 4-1 Chicago after the first period. They, I mean, it was bad enough. They got three goals in 326, and then Taves added another one. Four goals in 706. Rob, we also we, we often talk about that too. It's, it's not just that you can take a period of the game and control it. How much damage can you do in that period? And, and Chicago just totally blew it open in that sequence. Well, that changed the way the game went into the second period. We've seen it time and time again where one team dominates a period of play, the first period, for example. And at the end of that period, they're not rewarded. It, it's one nothing, or they're up by one or it's an even score. The second team, come, the, the team that struggled comes out and has a better second period or better next period because they feel relieved, they survived, and now they're going hard because they feel in that break, you know what, we survived this Let's go out and play better. But when you do get rewarded like the Blackhawks did, the Blackhawks are feeling pretty good about themselves in the period. We played good. We outscored them. Everything's going our way. The Oilers in between periods are like, uh-oh. You know, everything went was turned to gold that they touch. And they're sitting at, in that dressing room wondering what went wrong. We were so good in training camp. We were so good in our exhibition game. What happened in that first 20 minutes? So, yes, when you are rewarded for playing as well as you did and the Blackhawks were, that just sets the tone. And it made it a very, very big uphill climb for the Oilers the rest of the way uh you know obviously a team loss for the oilers and mcdavid did finish with uh, with four points he was in on every goal but but i nugent hopkins wound up with three points got his first playoff goal but i, I thought mcdavid nugent hopkins cassian a lot expected from them a, a pretty quiet game and and clefbaum and larson which is a pairing that the oilers won out there a lot uh, especially in the first period getting turned around a lot and uh not being able to stop the cycle or stop chances 
Yeah, it's kind of funny when you say the guy with four points had an off game, but Connor McDavid did. Uh, he was good on the power play, but five on five, uh, turned the puck over a couple times, lost some key face-offs. Uh, going head-to-head against Jonathan Taves, Jonathan Taves had the better of him. Um, now, you wouldn't expect to see that you know, two games in a row, but if, you're, if your best players... Uh, lose their battles on the ice, then, then you're in trouble. And I, I think that the Oilers also had their eyes open to some of these young players that they had heard about and heard that were playing well, uh, like a Kubelik, like a, a Kirby Dawes. I thought Dawes was excellent in this hockey game today. This might be a coming out party for for him out west here because we've heard that he's been playing well in training camp. But tonight, he did everything he expected and more. So uh, the Blackhawks. Uh, to me, the, the the question marks that they had didn't show up tonight. And the Oilers, it's not going to be as easy a, a series as they had hoped. And a lot of us thought it might be. The Hawks are for real. They got players that can put the puck in the net. And what we saw tonight is Corey Crawford uh, he still has some game left. Despite missing most of his training camp, still has some game left. And he's given them a fighting chance. All right. Live head coach Dave Tippett. Uh, you scored the early power play goal, but it didn't look like you had any of your normal game uh, in regular season tonight against uh, Chicago. Your overall impressions of your team? I didn't think we played well enough. Made far too many mistakes and lost too many battles. Simple as that. You can't, uh, you can't, if you don't elevate your game going into the playoffs, you're going to be behind, and that's where we were tonight. Our next question comes from Rob Tichkowski, Edmonton Sun. Hi, Dave. Yeah, you, t- you talk about not winning battles, and some of the players were talking about not being ready. It kind of sounds like it's a, it's a mental thing, which is kind of hard to fathom at, at this stage with everything that's on the line. What do you do to get this team mentally ready for game two? That was a physical thing. You lose battles, it's a physical thing, right? It's not putting enough into the physical battle. And that's, uh, but we, we went out, we, were, uh, we gave up two, two outnumber breaks early, talked about being a real solid in the first period and go out and give up two outnumber breaks in the first two or three minutes. So. We uh, we just didn't think very well, and we didn't work uh, as you know, we didn't elevate our game like we needed to. And it's uh, we have to regroup and make sure we're ready for game two. Our next question comes from Jason Greger, TSN twelve sixty. Dave, can you uh, explain what was your thought process and what ultimately uh, why you decided on uh, on Mike Smith to to be the starter, and then um, what went into because uh, you, you waited until the fifth goal. Were you, were you considering uh, switching your goalies to start the second at all? Uh, first of all, the, the, we have confidence in both our guys. We, uh, we had long discussions about it. We think we'll use both of them in the playoffs. Uh, we started the season 5-0. and Schmidt started the season. We thought we wanted to start the, the postseason the same way. Um, we were very confident in that. Schmidt, other than the one that uh, the giveaway that went off his back, he was... Uh, kind of left on his own out there. And it got to 4-2, thought we were all right, and we give up the fifth one, so I was trying to change momentum. We'll take a question from Daniel Nugent-Bowman, The Athletic. Uh, Dave, your, your penalty kill was tremendous all year. It was very good against the Blackhawks, uh, all, killing off all eight during the three games just this season. Uh, what, what changed tonight? What was the, the difference for you guys? It was very similar to the rest of our game. We didn't... Uh, didn't win enough battles to uh, and execute enough, whether it be face-offs or loose pucks down, and they, uh, and they capitalized on chances. We'll now take some questions from Zoom. Please raise your hand if you'd like to ask a question. We're going to start with Terry Jones. Uh, Dave, can you, uh, we talked before about how uh, best of five series, how large that game one is. Uh, now you've got till 8.30 on Monday night. Uh, can you just uh, articulate uh, that circumstance? And what do you have to do? You have to play better, right? So everybody understood the importance of game one. We didn't get it. We got to regroup in a day and show up and make sure that we correct some of the errors we had and make sure we're uh, uh, a little more competitive in this next game. The next question comes from Ryan Rashad. Dave, it was, as you mentioned, it was clear early with a couple of odd man rushes that maybe things were a little bit jittery in the early going. And I guess it's one thing to start that way, but was it concerning to you that knowing that it was going that way, that you weren't able to turn it sooner? And, and why do you think 
kind of knowing what was happening, your guys weren't able to, to sort that out sooner and get, get back into it sooner. I think a little bit of that is we got on our heels and they were playing well. We took a penalty, uh, took a penalty. Their power play scored, uh, uh, made the one mistake and then their penalty or their power play jumps in and gets them a lead. So you're trying to grab it and get back in the game. But some of the errors we were making with the puck early on, Clef had a couple of them where we, the early chance we gave up, we uh, just missed a pass, and then we gave another one up to the slot. Um, there's those. There's just things that you have to do. You make sure you have to do things right, and you uh, usually the team that makes the most mistakes ends up on the back side of it. And we made more mistakes tonight. We'll take two more questions. The next one comes from Mark Spector. David, you've been around a long time. You've seen all these things come and go, right? You have a good camp. You play a solid, pretty solid game against Calgary. Talking to you, it sounds like you expected your team was as ready as you could be. And this is as unready as they could possibly look. Any idea how something to, like that? Uh, to say that we're disappointed the way we started was uh, would be an un understatement. You know, we uh, I think you have to give Chicago some credit. They played well, but some of the errors and uh, and just the uh, the way we went about things is... Uh, it's not playoff, and it's certainly like we were a way better team in the in the regular season. And you get behind early, you start to cheat, you start to uh, do some things that don't look like a good team, and that's where we were tonight. And we just uh, there was too many mistakes made, and then when you're trying to overcompensate it by cheating and get back in the game, you don't look like a very good team, and that's where it was tonight. Our last question comes from Tracy Myers, NHL.com. Tip, just wanted to ask you uh, what you thought of Miko in uh, in relief, and uh, also I assume you'll uh, consider both him and Smith for game two. We'll talk about where we are with both our goaltenders. I thought Miko was fine in there. Thank you, Coach. All right, that's live from Rogers Place. Uh, Edmonton Oilers head coach Dave Tibbet, his team thumped today 6-4 by the Blackhawks, and they were thumped. It was 6-2, uh, and Edmonton got a couple of goals late to make it somewhat interesting. Uh, 780-496-0063 to call or text. We'll start interacting with you after the 4.30 news. We'll have a quick news and weather update in a couple of minutes. Rob, Tippett talked about the losing physical battles and also the mental side of the game, and certainly a, a complete loss for the Oilers. But I, we were talking about some of the pinches, and I saw defensemen taking silly chances on the pinches, and I also saw you know, simple pinches along the boards where a forward's supposed to go back and cover the point, and I saw defensemen making, in some cases, well-advised pinches and, and nobody going back to, to cover. Like It was just a complete... I don't know if it's concentration, mental, or you think we're going to keep four guys down low and go for it, but um, just not making you know simple plays that NHL players usually make. No, and sometimes there's an overconfidence that comes into play when you're playing against a team you should beat. And when you get overconfident, you start to anticipate cheat on plays okay he's going to keep this in that'll send us back in in the in a, an odd man situation instead when when you don't keep the puck in when the puck or the player gets by the defenseman pinching now you're caught in an odd man situation so it's as a player you're supposed to play on the safety side you're always supposed to be on the the right side the defensive side of a puck whenever there's a pinch in play and sometimes you hope that a puck goes the right direction and maybe you can get sprung but when you hope you put yourself into to a problem and the others they, they lacked communication they struggled with their communication tonight plays that they are normally make plays where they're supposed to be in a certain position they weren't there and I mean it was illustrated on the Smith giveaway in his own end where he was anticipating his defenseman was going to be where he put the puck he wasn't and it turned into a goal shortly after that so the communication for the Oilers wasn't great and because of that, it cost them a couple of goals and little things add up to big things in a playoff hockey game or playoff hockey game. And, and in a five game series, game one's awfully important, as they've talked about a lot tonight. Now there's a, an immense pressure on the Oilers on Monday night. So they got to right the ship and it starts in practice. Communication, simple things that uh, left them tonight in this game. All right. Six, four Chicago taking it in game one, seven, eight, zero, four, nine, six. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. 0063, we'll go to the phones when we get back. You'll also hear from McDavid and Nurse, Century Casino, Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Dominic Kubalik, five points for Chicago in a 6-4 win over the Oilers. Jonathan Taves had two goals and an assist. Connor McDavid, four points for Edmonton. Nugent Hopkins with three points. 6-4, Chicago takes Game one, Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. Well, uh, Tippett's been pretty guarded what he says about his goaltenders, uh, Rob. I, And again, we were wrong probably 90% of the time throughout the season when trying to predict the next Oilers starter. I can't see how Miko Koskinen doesn't start game two. The start that he'd hoped for. Uh, and unfortunately for him, the team in front of him wasn't very good and he didn't give the team the big save that it needed. So I, I wouldn't put five goals on Mike Smith, but... He did give up five goals in what just over twenty shots, minutes less than half yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah. You you need to make a save. Uh, you you got to save the ones that you're supposed to. be also got to save a couple that you're not supposed. So he didn't do that. Koskinen, the way he played in the training camp, the way he played against the Calgary Flames, and the way he finished the game tonight. To me, it's it, it's an easy decision. Uh, they said they're going to play both goalies, and now they got the opportunity for Koskinen to get his start in game two. Uh, a little bit by default, we'll make Koskinen the fourth star of the game for White Eagle Homes, built from the homeowner's perspective with thousands of personalization options. Visit whiteeaglehomes.ca. Three stars from 3-2-1. Saad, Taves, and Kubalik can't argue with any of those. Okay, Jordan on the line. Jordan, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hey, guys. A uh, couple uh, points and then a question, I guess. Uh, I guess for yourself, uh, Rob, like going in as the favorites, uh, was it that the Oilers were playing – a bit too uptight, or were they not loose enough? And then a follow-up question, uh, that shift after the power play goal, I think it was either Ellis or FNSU had, like, a backhand shot that was kind of a partial save and then, like, off a post and another scramble play. And in my mind, like, wow, like, how much does luck play into how hard it swings the other way? And, and, and could that have just fed into a, a bit of bad luck feeding into whatever psychology was that play? Thanks, Jordan. Uh- um, honestly, I don't think they played too uptight. I think they played the opposite. They were too loose. Uh, sometimes as a, as a favorite, uh, you overestimate the opposition. I, I have a, If you go on playing against a team that you are worried about, if you're scared, if for example, if they were playing against the St. Louis Blues and Stanley Cup champions, you would be very tight. Like, it's you're like, okay, I, I, we, we can't give up a turnover. We got to get pucks in deep. Like, all those focus things are really right there for you but when you go in a game that you're supposed to win expected to win uh you know what maybe this bounce is going to go for me so you don't play the the right way you don't play the strong defensive type of game because you don't think you need to well the Oilers found out tonight that they have to as for the play there both teams are going to say that there's opportunities that could have extended leads or got them closer the Blackhawks missed some great chances as well yes that was uh would have been a huge goal at that time Uh, it was Ennis that came in and made the backhand almost put it in the net but uh, I think there was too few opportunities like that where the others could have said hey that might have changed the complexion of the game because in all honesty outside of their power play uh, it wasn't even close five on five. The Chicago Blackhawks were that much better. And I don't know if one goal by Ennis would have made a difference simply because the Blackhawks just come and shift after shift after shift five on five. Dustin texting in. He's wondering, Rob, uh, about why Tippett didn't mix the lines up sooner, maybe reuniting Nuge Leon and Yamamoto. And he also adds uh, Cassian has to bring the intense version of his game. I uh, absolutely agree with the Cassian part of it. Uh, you didn't see, and that's one of the things we talked about in the pregame. Uh, players like Cassian who feed off the energy in the crowd, who love throwing big hits just to hear the emotion, and that just rings right through your entire bench, uh, really didn't notice him a lot tonight. And he has to be noticed to be effective. Um, as for changing the lines up, uh, I think that the Oilers like the makeup of the lines. I think Dave Tippett likes the makeup of his lines, and I think he was just going to say, you know what, we're going to go with this. Find your game tonight because this is a short series. I want to go with these lines again in Monday's game. We heard Bob talk about it after the game. He doesn't think the lines will be switched up at all. Uh, I don't think they will be either. Having said that, if the Oilers don't get the production 5-on-5 five five through 20, 30 minutes next game, 
then you'll start seeing changes because this series is too short to be able to fall behind 2 nothing and come back in it. It's interesting, the switch we did see relatively early, Rob, our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Russell got put with Bear and uh, Banning and Nurse were together. Though really, it, to me, the, the pairing that struggled the most was actually Clefbaum and Larson. They stayed together. Yeah, you're right. Um, that one usually isn't Tippett's call, that's normally the defensive coach gets a feeling of what he sees and what he likes and uh, with the, the bottom four defensemen, they're all interchangeable, they've all played with each other at some point so I think at that point Playfair is just reading what's being done by the Chicago Blackhawks and adapting to them, but yes, uh, Larson and Clefbaum uh, did not have and I had a, did not have a great game and I didn't see this the training camp and scrimmages, but I have heard you and I've heard Bob talk about that they did not have great camps as well and they need to because they play a ton of minutes both Clefbaum and Larson and play big minutes against the good players on the other team they have to be much better in Monday night's game 6-4 Chicago wins game one that is a $100 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from Ascendant Financial when the name of the game is life there's Ascendant Financial visit CoveredAlberta.ca $25 for every Oilers goal throughout the season a lot of numbers a lot of stats to throw around Rob I mean the final shots were 42-29 but I think for the shot clock the more significant number for me is what they were at the halfway point of the game when they were 28-17 Chicago I mean basically getting a shot averaging a shot a minute through the first half of the game yeah the Blackhawks came out uh, ready to prove a point um, we talked well the one caller that called and asked if the Oilers were tight or loose uh, and I felt they're loose the Blackhawks probably came into this game tight like they, they were like okay we're focused we got to do all the little things right we're, we're huge underdogs we can't turn the puck over we can't miss checks defensively in our own zone we must communicate good and they did that and, and it showed five on five where they were dominant and the shots uh, were very indicative of the play I, not only they, it wasn't like they were shooting as all these perimeter shots they were getting great scoring chances they scored six had one disallowed and probably had five or six other glorious scoring chances that could have gone in the net this easily could have been a double digit goals against uh for the blackhawks so yeah the the shots uh, were certainly a reflection of the way the game was going because the, the play was in the edmonton oilers end most of the first 40 minutes of this hockey game we have uh, jason on the line jason go ahead Hi guys, love the show. Uh, just wanted to see what your opinion is about Tippett putting Neil on the fourth line when he's a playoff proven player where he should be playing on the first line. Isn't that why we got him? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Thanks, Jason. I think that that's. I mean, that's. I, I think he could float and play up there. I, I think they saw. Neil, Chase on, and Kara as perhaps a heavier line that could grind and maybe finish the odd chance. But I do think if they shuffle, I mean, we have seen Neil play higher up in other portions of the season. Well, the the, the line that they put together, the, the the fourth line with the big heavy line, they're only effective if you're in a close game or you're winning. Because that's where they can waste time in the offensive zone, get the four check going, keep the play alive down low. But when you're trailing, they're not going to create a whole bunch of chances. So that's what happened today. That line wasn't as noticeable. If they were to move Neil up, and that's certainly a possibility, I believe he would go to the first line and Nuge would go back down and play with Leon Dreisel. And I am perfectly fine with that because we saw the way RNH, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto played when they were together. They were excellent. Best line in the National Hockey League. So if there is movement, I believe that that, that uh, caller is right. I believe that Neil would be the guy going up top and Ennis would move down to a fourth line role. And I think the Oilers uh, would look very good in the top six if that was it. All right. Oilers lose 6-4 in the opening game. We have a couple of open lines, 780-496-0063. Mike and Tony, you're going to be up next. You'll still hear from uh, Connor McDavid and Darnell Nurse. Century Casino overtime open line on 630 Chet. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Bokvist moves it left circle to Brinkett. Over to Nylander. One-timer Bokvist save. Koskinen rebound driven off. All right, that's the save of the game for Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian. Head to sentinel.ca. Koskinen relieves Mike Smith and stops 18 of 19. Smith stopped 18 of 23. 
and uh, the Oilers lose game one, 6-4 to the Chicago Blackhawks, who were the uh, vastly superior team. They led 4-1 after the first period. Dreisaitl made it 4-2 early in the second, but then Chicago scored a couple minutes later to make it 5-2, and they uh, never really looked back from there. Kubalik, Rob, uh, I mean, just a huge game. Uh, he was doing everything, scored goals a couple of different ways, three assists to finish with five points. Yeah, he was good. He was as advertised. There's been a lot of talk about him uh, coming into this series up for Rookie of the, se- of the Year. I agree with you. It's going to be one of the two defensemen. Uh, not a flashy player, but always around the puck and very good at uh, using his body positioning to protect himself, protect the puck, make plays. Uh, and a nice find by, by the Blackhawks. And uh, he, 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 what he what we saw with Yamamoto coming here, and allowing the Oilers to separate McDavid and, and Dreisaitl, he's kind of done that in in Chicago. They've got a player that they can play with Taves, so you don't have you can have Kane and and Taves on opposite lines, which again is harder to contain because now you got to find two pairings to be able to play against them. So he was very very good tonight. I I don't know how many people had them in their hockey pool as a as a high draft pick, but whoever did right now is sitting at the top of the National Hockey League playoff scoring list. The, the face-off, I was mentioning how some stats can be a little bit misleading. The, the face-off stats are certainly misleading today. Edmonton won 53% of the face-offs, but Jonathan Taves was dominant. He won 16 out of his 25 face-offs. And this one really surprised me, Rob, because according to the NHL.com, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks only won three of nine face-offs when they had the man advantage. I guess it's what they did with them because they won some cleanly, both even strength and power play, and got a couple of goals directly off face-off wins. Well, I guess it's uh, what you do with the, uh, the wins when you get them. Um, teams that have good face-off players, and obviously Jonathan Taves has been a great face-off player for, for a number of years, have set plays. And they know that, okay, if we win this, here's a set play. And you can only do those set plays if you get clean wins. Uh, they had it set up tonight. They knew, okay, if Taves wins, if we're going here back door. If Taves wins, okay, we're going to line up in front of the net. Uh, huge at certain moments in the game. You don't want to, you don't have trick plays every time you take a face-off or it becomes too easy to, to defend. But when you can throw one out there and you win the face-off, it can set the tone or, or change the complexion of a game. And Tay's been doing that for years. So the, they seem to win the big face-offs at the big moments. And tonight got a couple goals because of it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Mike on the line. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I just want to talk about Black Lives Matter. Sure. You um, saw the Dumba speech before the game? Yeah. Yeah, I'm from Red Deer, and I, I watched him play for a long time and sat beside his parents. Nobody cares if he's half black or whatever. Nobody cares about uh, if Nurse is half black. Nurse is my favorite defenseman. You know why? Because he's a kick-ass, tough defenseman. That's what counts. Nobody cares. Yeah, about for sure. Race. Yeah, for sure, Mike. Well, and I think that's, uh, I mean, hockey's been involved in the uh, the You Can Play initiative, and, and I think that's the, that's what they're aiming for there. You see the person as uh, as a hockey player and as a human being, and, and, and you go from there. Unfortunately, there are... Uh Unfortunately, there are people in the world who wouldn't share Mike's attitude about not uh, not seeing the differences with people, and we're definitely working towards that. Oilers fall 6-4 this afternoon to the Chicago Blackhawks. The Edotown scoreboard, Rob, is for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Spirited game. Hurricanes beat the Rangers 3-2. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are picking the, the New York Rangers to upset the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes have got a good hockey club. They're missing a couple key pieces of their team still, but they're deep, they're young, they're fast, they're exciting to watch. And as the one thing that we were missing in this game was an intensity, a hatred. Well, in that game, they had a fight in the first five minutes of the game between two guys that don't fight. Uh, Stroman Williams. So they, they got the dislike for themselves very early in the series. Hopefully the Oilers will find that dislike soon. Also, now a final. The Islanders hold off the Panthers for a 2-1 win. Canadians and Penguins coming up at 6. And then at Rogers Place, it's the Jets and the Flames. Also, I should mention the Raptors are back at it tonight. Regular season game against the uh, L.A. Lakers. Uh, this texture says, why does the coach always wait to, to pull Smith? Maybe it would have been a closer game. I would have pulled him after 3. That, I mean, that is an interesting debate. I wonder if the fact that you're sitting around not playing for four and a half months. I mean, let me put it this way, Rob. If this is game one 
four days after the end of the regular season and you're down 3-1 after the first or halfway through the first period i wonder if the hook comes out quicker in that situation possibly obviously everything's different uh because of what has happened and transpired over the last four months i still uh don't believe he would have pulled him then uh, i think he would have waited till the end of the period to make the decision and uh I, it wasn't the, the goals weren't on Smith. They weren't okay. It's an easy one where you, a guy lets in a couple bad goals. Okay, pull him. He's not on his game tonight. They weren't on him. That was more a reflection of the team playing in front of him. At that point, you're like, I'd like to get rid of about 14 players right now and pull them. Um, it, it's hard to say what to do with a, as a coach. It's not an easy thing pulling a goaltender. You're worried about the goaltender's confidence. Uh, you don't want to send too big a message and say, all right, we pulled him after three and say, okay, let's let our players off the hook. I'm pulling the goalie, so maybe they'll think it's not their fault the first 20 minutes actually the, the entire game was on the players and the way they played tonight not on the goaltending having said that i expected him to be pulled after 20 minutes a little surprised he started the second period deepak says uh, hi guys a beautiful saturday ruined by a lackluster performance by the oilers they looked slow and disinterested i was expecting so much more well i think we all were <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean they didn't they didn't lose 6-4 with uh, it's 4-4 with 10 minutes left and the hawks set, executed better in the final 10 minutes this was as we were talking about uh looking looking poor pretty much right from the start and yeah he mentioned they looked slow we, we i mean the orders are they have some fast players i think they have more team speed than than the last couple of years but they did they they never really got in on the four check and, and forced the chicago defense they maybe a couple shifts by leon's line Maybe Neil and Chason were able to grind to get in there and grind a little bit. They're not fast players, but yeah, the Oilers did not look fast tonight. This they afternoon, didn't. no, no, they didn't. And teams look fast when pucks get put in deep and there's races. When you're playing a game where you're trying to control through the neutral zone, you're not putting the puck in deep when you're trying to beat guys one-on-one. Well, that's when you slow down because players can't go full speed. They, they're trying to see, okay, is he making a juke or a drive just before he gets to the blue line? I don't want to go offside. So had the Oilers played a simpler game where they throw the puck in deep and they know if, if, I, get to, if I get to center ice and I'm going to, shoot the puck in my two line mates know they can go full speed they do not have to stop you look faster if the guy with the puck goes up past the red line he's kind of trying to deke players those other players have to slow down and read off of him so i think the others did not do a good enough job getting pucks in deep where the blackhawks did they it was simple they got to the red line and they were dumping the puck in so that meant they were always going at full speed that's why they look faster than the others tonight six four chicago seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three tony standing by go ahead tony How's it going, boys? Long Good. time no talk. Thanks for calling. Um, got a couple questions actually, because I I was wondering if maybe today's game, like yeah, we played like I can't even describe it. Um, do you think they were maybe overvaluing what they like? Maybe they were thinking that Chicago wouldn't be as good, or do you think that they weren't expecting Kubalik to perform the way he did, and like? Do you think there's any factors along the lines of maybe they're underestimating what Chicago really had, that there are more than just three or four players that maybe they actually do have a little bit of depth? Well, I I think they have more than just a little bit of depth. I I read a a stat not too long ago that after both teams start to the season, I don't know what it was, eight games in or ten games in, the Oilers and the Blackhawks had almost similar records. They, they were pretty close in, in the standings. So the Oilers had a good start to the year. The Hawks didn't. But after that, they played the same. But going in as a favorite is much different. Uh, the Oilers, if you're looking, Oilers are their number five seed going against the 12 seed. People think that the Oilers actually should have been the number four seed. The Oilers are the favorites by far in this series. And sometimes you get a little overconfident. Uh, and it certainly looked like that today because the Oilers did not have the intensity or the desperation that the Blackhawks had, that the Blackhawks needed to have that. When you're a lower seed, you know you got to play a perfect game, and the Blackhawks more or less did. So uh, if there were any surprises for the Edmonton Oilers, they're certainly gone now because the Oilers uh, lost in almost every facet of the game tonight, so they should not be shocked by what Chicago has on Monday night. 6-4, if the Oilers could have got to 5, the Japanese Village Goal Light would be on on 630Ched.com. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Book at any of their five locations at jvedmonton.ca. Quick news and weather update coming up. More of your texts. Dave is the next caller. 
Oilers lose game one. Century Casino overtime open line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, Connor McDavid had four points. The Oilers had three power play goals. Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets his first ever playoff goal to go along with two assists. That would all sound pretty good under most circumstances, but the Oilers not nearly good enough this afternoon. Chicago takes game one of the best of five qualifying rounds, 6-4 at Rogers Place. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, thanks for tuning in. It is 5.04. Dave is on the line. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, guys. Good show. I think this is a perfect storm for the Oilers. You're going up a team that has a tremendous amount of experience. And they, I agree they would not be in the playoffs uh, without having this happen here with the COVID thing. But they exposed the Oilers today five on five, which is critical because, as I'm sure Rob would know this, when you're doing a playoff run, five on five, you got to be better than the other team every shift. And I thought... Chicago just, I put it the other way around. I think Edmonton's the underdog in this one. When it comes to experience, not points on the board, but I'll listen to your thoughts. Great show, guys. I'll, I'll just chime in quickly, Dave, before Rob chimes in. The the experience debate is an interesting one to me because the Hawks have more total experience. They also have nine skaters who have never had played a playoff game. The Oilers only had a couple in the lineup today. So it depends. Do you, want, do you go by total games or do you go by total number of players who have never been, been in the playoffs? It's an interesting debate. Chicago was just, just better today. I guess we'll see if it's going to wind up being an experience or not by the end of the series. Rob? Yeah, and I, the Oilers are vastly favorites in this game, in this series. I know that there's a few star players on the Blackhawks that that have got great pedigrees, but they're at the back end of their careers. This is a series the Oilers should win, and uh, the Oilers have to be better five and five. And if you want to go back even to the exhibition game, there was a 30-minute stretch in that game where the Calgary Flames were a much better hockey club than the Oilers. Mike Smith made a number of big saves. The Oilers built up a 2-0 lead, and then Calgary pushed back and were a much better team until the Oilers got a lucky break in the third period. So uh, this is not a surprise. It was talked about before the series. has been talked about all season long that the Oilers 5-on-5 five five need to be better. They need to be better in their own Z, and they got to recognize uh, different formations. they got to recognize when uh, teams forecheck. Uh, they got to they got to communicate better. Uh, it, it's been an Achilles heel Achilles heel type problem for the Oilers in their losses. It's usually their five and five hasn't got it done. Their power play was excellent. And the one thing that we talked about, Reed, you and I, before the series started, we both felt that the Oilers' power play would continue doing exactly what they did. That that type of talent just doesn't dry up over a three or four month stretch. But we both talked about the fact that we didn't know if their power play, or excuse me, their penalty killing would be able to keep up to what it did in the regular season. And tonight, it, it, we show, we saw that. Their penalty killing has to be uh, close to what they were capable of doing in the, in the regular season if they want to win hockey games. And tonight, their penalty killing was exposed, and they gave up three. And on the other three power plays Chicago had, they had a number of great scoring chances. So 5 and 5 and penalty killing both need to be better on Monday night. Clint says, uh, he has a question for you, Rob. Is it easier to rebound from a game where you play poorly all game or a game where you blow it late in the third period and wind up losing? Uh, It's much easier to rebound from a game like this because halfway through this game, the Oilers were already thinking about next game. Uh, they, they knew that this game, well, not new, but it wasn't good for a long, long time. And they knew they did so many things wrong. Uh, they already, they're going to be able to rebound. A heartbreaker is tough to come back from. When you lose a game that you deserve to win, or if a last-minute goal or you lose in overtime, those are much harder to overcome. So uh, to me, I, I believe they'll bounce back. I mean, this is a game where the Oilers played play poorly, where their star player, Connor McDavid, had an off night, and he still had four points. So you got to think, okay, if this is an off night, he gets four points. If they fix some things defensively, they should be okay. But now there will, the one caller called earlier said, were the orders a little tight before this game? Well, you can get a little tighter now because now the, the importance of game two is huge. In a best-of-five series, you can't drop the first two games and hope to win a series. So now there could be nerves going into game two. Look for their leaders to lead by example and try and get them through that. 
You referenced that uh, that playoff stat from the uh, late 70s and early 80s when they were best of five uh, series in the first round. The game one winner took 49 out of 56 series, so seven out of every eight. So there you have it. It's it, it's tough. It's totally... I mean, the Oilers lost... Uh, well, when they were in in 2017, they lost game one against San Jose, won the series, and then against Anaheim, they won game one of a best of seven and lost the series. So that, that shows you, in a best of seven, it's uh, obviously always means something, but means less than in a best of five. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Elvis on the line. Go ahead, Elvis. Hey, guys. I uh, love uh, listening to the post-game show, and there's a lot of freaked out people there out there. All my buddies, I've been getting texts like crazy. I, I think this game is one-off. I had a stinky feeling about this game because uh, as long as I've been watching the Oilers, they don't play fantastic in afternoon games, and I was just dreading that this would be a fanta- uh, an afternoon game. And sure enough, I think they'll bounce back. My question to you guys is, uh, I like um, I, when when he started uh, Miko Koskinen in, in, in the uh, against Calgary, I thought for sure he was going to start him uh, it, like today, and he didn't. Can you guys can, can you guys see uh, like I know everyone's talking about changes and I, can you see can you see them switching up defensive pairings for the next game? I, I could see them doing a lot of different things if they want to. Um, the way they started the game tonight is the way they want to start every game. They they believe this is the lineup that can get them through, but it was exposed at times. Uh, I agree. I thought Koskinen was going to start today, but uh, we I've been wrong just about every time on, on Dave Tippett's choice for goalies, and I'm sure that. Um, Chicago possibly think were thinking that Koskinen might start the way that the exhibition game went. Maybe it was a little head game by Dave Tippett. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Uh, I think they would like to stay with the same defensive pairings that they had tonight and the same lines. Having said that, the leash will be a little shorter going into game two. They can't afford to fall behind. They can't afford to lose that game. So they will hope that what they put together from training camp into today's game will be able to start the game on Monday. But look for things to change quickly if things don't go the other's way early. Troy says, what about Nugent Hopkins' comments about the ice not being good out there? Uh, I was, you know what, I was a little surprised to hear that because... It is hot here in Edmonton, unnaturally uh, hot, even for the summer. But I, I can't remember if it was, if Stoff's listening, he'll he'll text me. It might have been Brian Burke who said it on Oilers Now. Somebody said it in the past week that the, the biggest enemy of ice is fans. Because all of a sudden you get sixteen to 20,000 people in there, and that is what raises the temperature of the building. Now, again, today it is unusually hot in Edmonton. I, I don't know if the ice was incredibly poor, but Nugent Hopkins seemed to think it wasn't as good as it usually would be in Edmonton. Well, I read an article the other day where I think it was Craig Berube talked about it too. And there's been some – I mean, they're going to start playing two or three games a day on an arena that would usually have one every second day. So it, it obviously the ice is going to uh, not be as good as it normally is. I mean, all you have to do, anyone that's ever been out after uh, a, hard, a game, like a, a higher level game, even go watch a midget hockey game and then go out afterwards and see what the ice is like. The ice takes a beating. And when you have NHL players out there two, three times a day, every day, it, I don't know if, if uh, the ice guys can keep it at top condition then you throw in the 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 heat outside and and all that the the hardest working guys probably right now will be the the ice guys in both toronto and edmonton trying to get the ice to the standards needed for it to be uh for these nhl players but yeah it it, now again ice bad ice affects both teams and chicago's a skating team as well so it will affect them just as much as it affects edmonton but players notice it and it does change the way you play when we went and played in madison square gardens after the circus was there you played a little bit different because the passes wouldn't sit right they would bounce you'd shoot more often because you didn't want to pass up an opportunity because the pass might not get there it'd be bouncing a long ways so watch for the players if the ice is a little yucky early in a hockey game to change the way they play all right, 6-4 Chicago beating the Oilers. The last time, actually the only time, Chicago beat Edmonton in a playoff series was 1992. Rob, our face-off trivia question was about that team. Clayton knew the answer. You were on the team. Uh, mm-hmm. I know your memory isn't always as, as sharp as you would like it to be, so I, I'm not going to bug you if you don't get it right, but I will ask you. I'll give you the opportunity to okay. win my love and affection. All right, uh, I want that. <laughs> who was the captain of the Blackhawks in that 92 series? One of my favorite hockey players I've ever played, Dirk Graham. 
You are correct. Yeah, great man, great leader, great captain. Uh, yeah, if if all captains could be like him, teams would all be uh, blessed with fantastic leadership. Clayton knew that. He gets a prize package valued at $50 to enjoy a fast-track indoor karting, safe adrenaline pumping fun, fasttrackkartingedmonton.com. Uh, Doug writes in, he says, Reed, the Oilers don't have the advantage over the Hawks in any aspect of the game. Uh, Doug, I think you just need to take a step back. We'll see what happens in, in, in game two. There, there was, today they didn't. Today they did not. Uh, there was a reason they had more points through the uh, 70 or so games, depending on the team that they played during the regular season. But today they did not. The Oilers did not bring it. we got to bring you a quick break. It is 514, overtime open line, courtesy Century Casino. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Here's how the scoring broke down this afternoon. Early power play goal for Edmonton, just 234 into the game. Connor McDavid struck, but then Chicago, four goals in seven minutes and six seconds. Strom, Taves, Sod, and Taves. Great tip by Sod. He was kind of jumping and tipped it waist high down into the net. Early second period power play goal for Dreisaitl, but Kubelik came back with two on Chicago man advantages, and uh, they were in control up 6-2 after two periods. Neal and Nugent Hopkins scored 36 seconds apart late in the third period. Edmonton pulled Koskinen, tried to get some late pressure and pulled off a miracle, but it was uh, not there. Chicago three for six on the power play. The Oilers were three for four. The final shots were 42-29 for the Blackhawks. Tyler Ennis, a couple of penalties today. Robbie shot the puck over the glass uh, and then went after Drake Kajula. Actually was not penalized for that i wondered if he if they were gonna if they were gonna penalize both ennis and kajula or maybe just pull ennis out of there he was unhappy kajula he hit him pretty hard after the puck went over the glass uh very easily could have been a a hit to the head penalty on kajula i think i watched the replay a couple times and it looked like the jaw chin area was the first thing that uh the shoulder of kajula hit uh, i believe ennis left the game for a little bit i think he got pulled out for protocol because a hit to the head so uh, possibly the league looks into that I don't know if it's a suspension maybe a fine on, on the part of Kajula uh, I thought I thought Ennis was just okay tonight I thought Leon Dreisaitl I thought he created 5-on-5 five five, but when you're playing with Leon and things get created you've got to make sure that you're able to capitalize because a lot of pressure when you're on his line uh, that's why I do believe there's a shorter leash going forward with, uh, with an Ennis because you have a guy, as the one caller said, in James Neal, who's capable of playing top six, and that allows Nugent Hopkins to reunite himself with, with, with Leon Dreisaitl. Look for that in, in game two as a possibility as the game goes on. Cheb texting in. He says, lots of sloppy transition play from the Oilers. How much of their difficulty getting out of their own zone has to do with poor passing by RD? Thanks, Cheb. Rob, I would actually take that a step further. I, I thought it was poor passing by everybody. And another time I texted you during the game, and Rob and I aren't uh, in the same studio for this. We're not texting in the same room. Uh, there was that sequence, and it was the Oilers' best, should be their best line, one of their best lines. McDavid, Cassian, and Nugent Hopkins got the puck to the blue line three times early in the second period and passed it directly to a Chicago player. I, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was just the defense uh, faltering in the transition tonight. I, I thought it was all around. Well, I agree. And, and that goes back to the one call that I talked about team speed, uh, where the Oilers, instead of moving pucks in deep and using their speed to beat guys, chipping behind defensemen, using their feet to beat guys that way, they tried making ill-advised plays. The one the one way you can stop the Oilers' trans, or offensive players, stand them up at the blue line, force them to make that extra pass. And the Oilers sometimes fall into that trap. And I agree. Uh, tonight, uncharacteristic, the, the one goal... Uh, Connor McDavid had the puck down below his own goal line, tried moving the puck behind the net to the defenseman. It gets blocked, tipped, and right away it's in the back of the net. So, yeah, I don't agree that it was just the Oilers' defenseman. I think you're right. It was the entire team that struggled moving the puck today. Give credit, as Dave Tippett talked to, give credit to the Chicago Blackhawks for being in passing lanes, getting sticks in lanes, and and forcing the Oilers to make the mistakes. But the Oilers were not sharp, not near sharp enough to, to start a playoff series. Sean at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Go ahead, Sean. Sean, go yeah. ahead. 
Yes, good day. I was just wondering what the league did or what uh, Chad did for the sound for the game because it was uh, it was it was pretty good on the radio. I, I wouldn't be able to, or I wouldn't know that there's no uh, fans in the building. They must have uh, they must have put some audio in there for fans or something. Yeah, thanks, Sean. They, well, they they did. There is some crowd noise being pumped in. I, I, I do think our broadcasts have sounded good. We still have the rink mic, mics that you might have heard. I, I even heard a Let's Go Oilers chant at one point, I, I think. So they are trying to put in little things. Most of the sound is for the home team, though I'm sure you notice they do play the goal horn and the Chelsea Dagger song for Chicago today, so the visiting team will get a goal horn. The only thing that sounded odd to me, Rob, and I noticed this on Tuesday as well, was the sound after goals because you do have the horn, but when there's a goal home or away, there's a dramatic reaction either way. And I, I that's the one thing I, I kind of miss. Oh, I agree. I absolutely agree on that. Uh, that. That's the whole atmosphere. And it's like when you watch a practice and someone scores in practice, you just hear the, the guy scoring, hooting and hollering, and that's it. So I think that's the biggest part I agree that you're missing. Although I agree with that caller. It, it does sound pretty good. I think that the NHL or, or whoever's doing it has done a very good job of, of making the atmosphere on television or on radio seem realistic unfortunately for the players playing in the game they don't get to benefit that benefit the same way we do as fans all right rob uh game two is coming up on uh, monday night so the oilers will probably practice tomorrow much later game on on monday evening what do you think the focus will be at practice tomorrow uh, i i think defensive play i, I think the oilers uh, struggled I think they struggled when they had the puck on the stick trying to get the puck into the offense. I think the Oilers had miscommunication in their own zone. I think they misread plays. Simply, they got to get back to basics. They were not good enough in just about every aspect of the game. Outside of their power play, uh, the Blackhawks were better in every single aspect of the game. So simplify. And to me, the biggest thing is just desperation. That covers up so many mistakes. You play desperate. You know what? You can make a mistake, but that desperation has you come back and correct the mistake quickly. The Oilers didn't have near enough of that tonight. Rob, I know you got to run. Good to have you on the show, buddy. I'll talk to you Monday night. Sounds good, Reed. Take care. All right. We do have to break for the 530 News. We still have that uh, post-game audio from McDavid and Darnell Nurse. I want to get to that before we sign off tonight. 780-496-0063 if you want to get in any, any more calls or texts. Uh, tough one for the Oilers. I mean, I read off some good stats, a lot of ugly ones. Uh, McDavid minus two. Nugent Hopkins minus two. Cassian minus three. Larson uh, minus two. McDavid just four for 12 in the face-off circle. Dreisaitl took a lot of draws, did okay, uh, 10 out of 20. One, a little bit below average. Riley Sheehan was actually the best oiler in the faceoff circle. 75%. He won 12 out of 16. Kubalik, though, leading the way for Chicago. He had five points and Jonathan Taves with a couple of goals in the first period. We're back after the news. Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6-4, Chicago wins game one. Pretty dominating performance by the Blackhawks. We have Norm on line one. Go ahead, Norm. Uh, Hey, Reed. Uh, Just wondering uh, how it's possible that we've got eight teams that are not playing in this first round, how they could possibly be at the same level of uh, conditioning and preparedness for a game uh, when we start the second round. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know if you guys have covered this before, but I don't understand how it's even fair. Sorry, which eight teams are you talking about? The eight teams have a first round bye. But they're going to play games, though. They're going to play games against each other for seeding. They, they're not idle for a week and a half. So every all we have 24 teams playing right now actively? I'm confused what's going on Yes, here. okay, there are 12. Let's just worry about the Western Conference. The top four teams from the regular season based on points percentage were Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado, and Dallas. They're going to play a round robin against each other to, for, to seed themselves one through four. The other teams, seeds 5 through 12, are playing best of five qualifying round series where the losers are out and the winners are the four teams 
that those higher seeds are going to play in the next round. So they, oh. so the 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 higher the highest ranked teams are not idle. They're going to play three games each to determine positioning. Okay, three games. Yep. As opposed to possibly five. I don't know. It still just seems a lot to me. It doesn't seem equal. There's, there's some about it does not seem right to me. I'm not even sure why we're doing it at all to have qualifiers. To be honest with you, uh, we're talking about a handful of games, like eight, nine games, whatever was left for the average team. Uh, finish it where the standings were. That's just what it is that to me, and go right to the 16 games. That's the way I think it should have worked. Okay, thanks, Norm. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Clay on line two. Go ahead, Clay. Hey, I was just watching the game, and I just felt that Gabe uh, Tippett was talking about like um, five up, five back. You know what I mean? And. It wasn't 100%. Uh, I just didn't uh, see that at all tonight. No, they did play well. I mean, yeah, they, they looked uh, a little disjointed. They, you know, if a guy got out of position, it didn't look like there was anybody there to, to cover for him. They, they they didn't do a good job getting the puck up the ice and, and attacking as a five-man unit. This was not anywhere near uh, the Oilers team that we saw for large portions of the regular season. Yeah, no, I was just like, they seem a little bit scattered and a little bit uh, out of place, that's all. Yep. All right. Thanks, Clay. Appreciate it. We will uh, go back to Roger's place here. Post-game reaction from Connor McDavid and Darnell Nurse. Hi, guys. This probably wasn't the uh, first game that anybody was expecting, uh, probably you guys included. What do you think the difference was today and what needs to be better for you guys in game two? Uh, Yeah, just not good enough all around. That's it pretty easy four months to prepare for this game it was a game one of a best of five um yeah no of course we know that um you know it's a best of five uh game one's important we lost it nothing we can do about it now all we can do is focus to game two our next question comes from jim matheson from the edmonton sun uh, this is for Darnell. Darnell, your penalty killing has been so good uh, this season. What happened today? The Chicago didn't have any trouble. It didn't look like anyway getting into your end and setting up. Yeah, and then once they got in, they uh, they beat us probably every which way you can on the on the PK. So uh, watch the film, get back at it. Nothing we can do about it now. Um, I think uh, there's a lot to learn from that game. When you show up for game two, a very complete different mindset. Our next question comes from Jason Greger, TSN 1260. Connor, you mentioned obviously there was outside of maybe the power play, there wasn't much you liked about the game, but can you talk specifically maybe about the matchup with Taves line and obviously got the best of you guys in the first period. Defensively, five on five, what do you feel your group has to do? Maybe specifically your line better next game. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's a solid line. They were real good tonight. Um, There wasn't any type of matchup it seemed um but we were out there a lot against them obviously and we weren't good enough against them um you know we uh we had to do a better job and our n- next question comes from daniel nugent bowman the athletic uh darnell you had the uh, the instagram post this morning and then you obviously supported uh the matt dumba there today can you tell me what went into that decision to post and then to kind of support uh, matt and what uh, how, how did that all go for you? And then for, for Connor, what did you think of, of what happened there uh, at the pregame ceremony? Uh, yesterday, I had a lot of uh, phone calls, a lot of discussions with people about uh, about today. And it was uh, obviously see what's gone on in the other leagues and talking to Dumbs, he had, uh, you know, the, gave me a heads up that he was doing a speech today. So uh, I just want to kind of show support. We're all in this fighting this, this same fight, but um, it, it was good that the message was was heard and, and needs to continue to be needs to continue to be spread. And actions need to speak louder than words. But um, yeah, now, now we move on to the struggle blackout. Yeah, I thought Tom did a great job. Um, you know, I thought it was a great speech. Um, you know, I thought uh, it was great that we everyone came together like that. Um, yeah, like Nancy said, there's uh, lots of uh, um, lots of things that need to change, and you know, obviously, there's been lots of lots of the right steps taken, and uh, that needs to continue to happen. 
Okay, we will now take questions from Zoom. A reminder, one question at a time and to direct your question to either Connor or Darnell. We'll start with Terry Jones. Uh, yes, Connor, can you just, uh, more of a big picture, uh, uh, what you have to do between now and, uh, uh, what is it, uh, 8.30 on uh, Monday night? Uh, is it a big, uh, major adjustment, or is it just uh, start over? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's lots that needs to get done. Obviously, we're going to get back to work tomorrow, watch... Uh, watch exactly what went wrong and um, you know, we'll learn from it and come back uh, for a very big game too. Our next question comes from Ryan Rashad. Yeah, can you hear me now? Sorry about that. Um, question for Connor. Um, obviously it didn't start the way you guys would have liked Connor. What were you guys saying to each other to try and get things turned around and why do you think that you weren't able to swing it, you know, back your way sooner in that game? What got in your way of, of finding what you needed to find sooner? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't uh, wasn't good from the, from uh, from the start. Um, we tried to tried to grab it as fast as we could. I thought, you know, we came out and scored a power play goal in the second period there, to make it four two. And I liked where our game was at, um, you know. And then um, they'll take a penalty and they score on the, on the power play and that's the way it goes um, you know, but I thought we did a better job as the game went on of keeping it simple that's that's uh, that's what our team needs to do ultimately is uh, be simpler and um, yeah. we'll do one more question from Greg Wyshynski there we go hey Connor you hear me yep Connor uh, quick question just based off this game was there in any way a, a chance that you being a five seed and Chicago being a 12 seed that maybe they were taken a little bit lightly? Um, we definitely didn't uh, um, didn't take them lightly. They're uh, um, a team that's had so much success in the past, and you know they're they're battle tested, and, and um, you know we they came out and, and did exactly what we we thought they would do, um, and we just weren't ready. Thank you. All right, that is the media availability. Connor McDavid and Darnell Nurse very disappointed as the Hawks jump all over the Oilers in the first game of this best of five, a 6-4 victory for Chicago. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 on Monday. It will be a live edition, even though it is a holiday Monday. And then we have game two of this series on Monday night. The face-off show will start at 6 here on 6.30, Chad, and the game will begin at 8.30. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer, and to Angie Quinnell, our studio operator this evening. Overtime Open Line presented by Century Casino. On behalf of Bob Stoffer, Jack Michaels, and Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.